0: We're not alone. Every day we carry around an estimated 10,000 different species of microbes in and on our bodies. That's about the same number of bird species that exist on the planet. Although it may sound gross, actually, humans and microbes have been co-evolving for billions of years, and not, well, at least millions of years, and not always in a bad way. We are talking microbiome on today's Please Explain, and we are joined now by Rob DeSalle, curator of entomology at the Sackler Institute for Comparative Genomics at the American Museum of Natural History. He's also the co-author of Welcome to the Microbiome. Getting to Know the Trillions of Bacteria in, On, and Around You. It's published by the Yale University Press. And he's the co-curator of the exhibit, The Secret World Inside You, at the American Museum of Natural History, which is now on view through August 14th. I'm pleased that all of that brings Rob DeSalle to our show today. Hello. Great to be here. And um, for our listeners, if you have a question about microbes, microbe research, or the way microbes affect our health, Give us a call at 212-433-9692. You can write to us on our show page at Wnyc.org slash Lopate or on Facebook or Twitter where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. So how many varieties of microbes are on or in us?
1: Depends on what you what part of the body you're talking about. Um, on our skin there are uh, say in our belly button, for instance, uh there are close to a thousand species. So. With or
0: without the lint. <laughs> the, <sighs>
1: Uh, uh, probably either way, um, and, and it varies quite quite a lot from individual to individual, so my belly button microbes would be very different from yours.
0: And is that because the belly button is just a warm place?
1: Um, the skin is a really good place for microbes to grow on, and, and uh, the belly button just seems to be a nice localized place that scientists like to go for when they sample things on our skin.
0: You said that uh, yours would be different than mine. How much do microbial varieties vary from person to person? Is it true that a single kiss can transfer up to,
1: what is it, 80 million bacteria between two people? It depends on whether it's the French variety or the the dry variety. But uh, um, each individual has a very different microbiome, that is, a very different cadre of microbes that live in and on them. And in fact, some researchers think that the microbiome in and on us can be used to identify us. Down to the individual, just like, say, a DNA fingerprint might be able to.
0: But kissing usually doesn't result in an illness, so even though we're exchanging all of those bacteria, 80 million bacteria, most
1: of it's benign? Uh, Absolutely, and and in in fact, the grand majority of microbes that interact with us uh, at any point in any given day are not harmful to us at all. In fact, many of them are essential to our health.
0: Although the the ones that are not a problem can become a problem just through slight changes. Well, that's the,
1: abs- that, the absolutely right. The, that's the point of, of the book and of the exhibition, to show how interactions of microbes are actually the drivers of our health. It's not necessarily this bad thing or that bad thing. It's really the balance of, of microbes that we have in and on us.
0: Now, humans are descendants of single-cell organisms. Everything on Earth is. Are we genetically related? In the most basic way to the microbes that live on and in our bodies?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's a common ancestor of all life on this planet, and microbes and, and humans, vertebrates, primates, whatever, we're all related to that common ancestor. We all go back to that common ancestor. And I've
0: known a few people that are probably related to the the microbes that make us sick.
1: Uh, probably, but, but they're probably more closely related to us than they are to those microbes.
0: What kind of technology do you use to observe and, and
1: track microbes on the human body? Yeah, this is what, why this is such a big, big field today. Um, only in the last five years have we been able to really tell the the tens of thousands of species that live in and on human beings. And it's an advance in technology that, that's happened in the last five years that, that allows us to do this.
0: But I, I read recently of some researchers just simply put some crazy glue on, on, te- on microscope slides put it on their foreheads or some other part of their face and then looked and, and found thousands of little
1: things. Absolutely. And, and the, again, your skin, say your forehead or your cheek, uh, 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 has thousands of, of species on, on it and, and uh, hundreds of thousands if not millions uh, uh, say from the skin of, of different kinds of bacterial cells. How do you keep the
0: samples from being contaminated by bacteria in the lab or, or the bacteria that's
1: on you? Um, that's a good question and, and uh, essentially um the samples are 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 taken and analyzed in a sterile sterile way um and then compared right away uh so uh uh contamination is going to happen um in fact you and I are probably exchanging part of our microbiomes right now, even though we're sitting three feet a- away from each other. If you and I started to to jostle with each other, or if, if I elbowed you or something, then you would get a lot more of my microbiome from me, and I get a little bit bit of yours. But uh, uh, it's it's a very common that we're I'm switching getting it from our your microbes. breath. I imagine <laughs> more than likely you're getting some of the microbes that are are uh, living in my mouth that that are g- g- I guess getting sprayed <laughs> across the desk here.
0: And that's why I'm afraid when I have a cold to, to have too many guests on the show.
1: Well, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's actually some really good uh, uh, ideas about how you should behave when you have a cold. And, and those ideas are very good, such as sneezing into the uh, uh, curve of your arm and, and uh, um, you know, keeping, keeping yourself separate from other people that, uh, when you have a cold. Because transmission of a, of a microbe that can cause a, a, a flu or, or a cold is quite easy.
0: I invited calls, and uh, although we have a lot to talk about before I get to calls, I'm going to take that first call, Thomas from Brooklyn. Hi, you're on the air. Go ahead, Thomas. Hi, thank you. yes, uh, my question actually comes from years ago I was studying uh, uh, traditional agriculture in Japan and found it very interesting that that the Japanese farmers, especially the organic ones but even conventional ones, were very aware of the connection between the microbial life of the soil and the microbial life of humans and it factored into how they what their positions were on the use of pesticides or other biocides in agriculture. I'm curious whether your research includes that connection in any way.
1: We absolutely discuss this topic in the exhibition at the museum and in our book and it's a very important topic <clears throat> and this is because uh, antibiotics have been overused in, in uh, modern modern life, and this has caused a real shift in the way that we interact with microbes. Um, and in fact, this uh, overuse of antibiotics is is somewhat uh, pandemic uh, um, and and very very detrimental to to uh, uh, our health. And uh, antibiotics are used in a lot of agriculture, as as you might well know. And uh, uh, the indiscriminate use of antibiotics in, in agriculture and and in uh, any other kind of of uh, part of our daily lives is, is really what we're trying to avoid.
0: Well, when I come into the office every day, there is a little a dispenser that puts some antibiotic fluid onto my hands. Should I not be doing that?
1: Well, you know, there's there's actually some research. The Purell. That, there's actually some research that, that suggests that uh, overuse of, of these antibiotic uh, um, agents, such as hand washes and things like that, are are really doing nothing more than uh, stripping away uh, the microbes that that uh, are interacting with you and leaving microbes that are resistant to to these uh, antibiotics and and antibacterials. So um, I don't want to say no, don't use it, um, but I I would say don't overuse it basically. And that's the the, the message really is don't overuse uh, 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 these things because it, it will amplify those microbes that are resistant to the antibacterials into the antimicrobials.
0: Yeah, I read that uh in the old days when parents didn't think twice about their kid playing in dirt, the kids actually wound up being healthier because they built up resistance to illnesses that today's overprotective parents or might uh, be denying from their children.
1: Absolutely. And and there's a really great uh study that, that uh uh researchers have done on the houses and on uh microbes that live in houses. And the researcher who did this study makes a very strong argument for not cleaning your house. Oh, God, my mother was really (laughs) helping my health. Um,
0: my, My guest is Rob DeSalle, who is the curator of entomology at the Sackler Institute for Comparative Genomics at the American Museum of Natural History. He also has written a book called Welcome to the Microbiome, Getting to Know the Trillions of Bacteria and Other Microbes in, On, and Around You, written with Susan L. Perkins who also uh, and published by Yale University Press. She also was the co-curator of the exhibit at the American Museum of Natural History. Yeah, absolutely. And we are inviting your calls at uh, 212-433-9692. You can write to us on our show page at WNYC.org slash Lopate or on Facebook or Twitter, where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. Much of your research is about constructing phylogenetic trees of bacteria. Why is that important?
1: Uh, the relationship of different bacteria to each other is, is really what allows us to identify them. And the research that Susan and I do at the American Museum of Natural History is is very um, uh, focused on phylogenetics. And, again, this helps us identify things very, very accurately, and that's our pr- pretty much our contribution. And how this. do you do it? Well, you use the sequences, sequences of, of the bacterial genomes, and the sequences themselves are a little bit like barcodes. Uh, you know, when you go to the store, you see a barcode on a soda bottle or something like that, and this barcode identifies the, the product. And with uh, m- microbes, the DNA is like a barcode that identifies the organism. And so it's very easy to use those, those DNA sequences and sequencing technology as a barcode reader.
0: About a year ago, the National Institutes of Health began its human bi- microbiome project.
1: I was surprised that it only happened that late in the game. Yeah, could yeah. we have done this earlier? Well, Should no. We? I, I, that's exactly the, the the point is that this tech the technology that's developed over the last three or four or five years is really astonishing, and and it allows us to do these things in in so much greater detail than we were able to do, say, ten years ago. Some of this research was being done ten. 15, 20 years ago, but it was very cumbersome. Now it's very, very uh, streamlined and very, very easy to do. And
0: what have we learned so far that we didn't know in the past?
1: We're learning that there are are 10 to 100 times more species of of microbes out there, uh, different kinds of microbes. We're learning that they're very specific to different parts of our body. They interact with us. They interact with each other. And Uh, our bodies are really ecosystems that's the the main take home home message that we're learning
0: talk about that interaction I've read that you're especially interested in horizontal gene transfer what's that
1: yeah that's an important concept in microbial evolution Uh, microbes don't have sex uh, like we do and so they don't get new uh, uh, genetic material to face challenges uh, uh, in the environment so what they do every once in a while is they suck up DNA from, from the environment or they suck up DNA from another microbe that might have a gene on it that allows the, that, that mic, that, the microbe that sucked it up to to attain a new function. And this new function is, is usually a, a function that allows the microbe to survive better in an environment, such as an antibiotic resistance gene or something like that. So often these uh, the
0: transferred genetic material uh, winds up path. Uh, Pathogenic to humans?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, uh, again, it's mostly because of resistance. Uh, when you hear of these multiple resistant uh, strains of, say, Staphylococcus uh, out there, uh, these are strains that have, have sucked up pieces of DNA from other organisms that allow them to, to uh, have multiple genes that allow them to be resistant to
0: antibiotics. So we have these microbes in our bodies that are totally benign, and then just through this process... They wind up making us sick.
1: Well, some of them do. Uh, some of, well, they can make they, us sick. They can make us sick. And there are certain uh, microbes in our bodies that, that, that are basically bad guys unless they're uh, interacting with other, other kinds of microbes or unless they're in, in check. So, for instance, staphylococcus, we actually have a lot of staphylococcus in our nasal passage that could be pathogenic, but it's not pathogenic in our nasal, nasal passage. Once it gets out of the nasal passage and say into our blood, then it becomes a, a, a bad guy, so it it's all dependent on context, it's all dependent on the interactions that, that it's having with other uh, other microbes in our body and interactions with say f- the food we eat and and uh, say the antibiotics that we put in our bodies.
0: Uh, don't we also have viruses of ancient viruses in our genetic material that could kind of tell <laughs> us about? Uh, where we've come from?
1: Yeah, th- this is... And uh,
0: how our great ancestors
1: got sick many, many <laughs> yeah, millions of years ago? Viruses are awesome. There there are probably 100 times more kinds of viruses out there than there are bacteria. And so they're an amazingly diverse group of things. A- and they, what ha- what's happened in our genome is that some of these viruses have jumped into our genome and gone to sleep and, and pretty much decided that they're going to stay there. And these viruses jump in very, very specific places, and they they leave their history um, when they jump in. And and that's pretty much what we're using to try to trace uh, uh, evolutionary events. You mentioned that there are many different types
0: of microbes on the skin, but you've written that different types of skin surface will be home to different types of bacteria. For instance, oily skin regions have different microbes than dry regions. And don't conditions change in and on the body all the time, for example, if I'm working out, I will get sweaty. Sure, uh, there are certain parts of my body that will get sweatier than others. Um, so, when my when my body is dry, do I have different a uh, different microbial uh, setup on my on my skin than I do when
1: I've been working out and sweating? Absolutely, it's a very dynamic system. It's it's a, it's a lot like like a rainforest, really. Uh, uh with with things moving in and out and and things uh uh growing better when you have different conditions like say a sweaty underarm is a nice hot kind of uh rainforesty kind of a thing whereas your belly button is this dry kind of uh um um you know not not too cold not too hot kind of an area so so you, yes things do shift and 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 uh move around even from from hour to hour during the day, but also from day to day and from uh, part of the month to part of the month, so but most of those things are should be a little concern to us yeah well that 's uh, 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 what we 're hoping, um, and research we need to do still do, need to do a lot of research to really pin down why these things are shifting so much and and uh, uh, what impact it has on our health
0: and I was wondering we we talked about antibacterial soaps, for example. But what happens when we wash with normal soaps? Are we changing the microbiome as well?
1: Yeah, we are. But But we're we're not killing them off? Well, we're not entirely killing them off. And in addition, a lot of the microbes that are going to be living on your body are coming from your uh, uh, direct surroundings. So, you know, you take your shower every day in your house or you take your shower every day at the gym. And what happens is once you step out, microbes come back on you and you're going to get pretty much the same microbiome back on you. uh, uh, And... Uh, um, you know, because you're a kind of a creature of habit, and you go go back home, and you get microbes from there. And certain
0: it, ones are more likely to be attracted to me than to you.
1: Um, that that we're not sure of, uh, um, but it it may very well be that uh, you may have a different uh, a pH on your skin than I do. Uh, that's whether it's acidic or basic. Um, you may have different temperature on your skin. You may have different oiliness on your skin than I do, and that would certainly. Uh, dictate the kind of microbes that are are living on your skin versus my skin
0: my guess is rob DeSalle. Uh, among other things he, he's written a book called welcome to the microbiome getting to know the trillions of bacteria and other microbes in on and around you it's written with the with co-written with susan l perkins and published by yale university press we're going to take a little break and when we come back we'll be taking your calls our number here is 212-433-9692 We are back with Rob DeSalle, Curator of Entomology at the Sackler Institute for Comparative Genomics at the American Museum of Natural History. He's also co-author with Susan L. Perkins of a book called Welcome to the Microbiome, Getting to Know the Trillions of Bacteria in, On, and Around You. It's published by Yale University Press. And with Susan Perkins, he is the co-curator of the exhibit The Secret World Inside You at the American Museum of Natural History, which is uh, on view now through August 14th, so you have plenty of time to see it more than once. We are inviting your calls at 212-433-9692. You can write to us on our show page at org or on Facebook or Twitter, where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. And before we get to these calls and all the lines are lit up, uh, while we were talking about um, all of the microbiomes that are everywhere, I started thinking about dark matter,
1: which is everywhere. Are we talking about a similar kind of situation? Yeah. In fact, some researchers in the microbiome field do call this dark matter. The dark matter that they talk about, though, are these microbes that we don't know a lot about. Um, uh, these are things that we don't have names for. Um, these are things that we don't really know what they do. And it's it, it, they are ubiquitous, and they are all around us, a lot like dark matter.
0: A listener wants to know if there's a connection between the microbiome and the human immune system.
1: A huge connection. Uh, our immune system um, in the exhibition, we we liken our immune system to a guard a guard dog. Uh, a good guard dog will let uh, you and your family and some of your relatives into your house, uh, but a good dark guard dog will also keep out the bad bad guys. And so your immune system uh, develops to do that, to do exactly that, to keep bad guys out and to let the good guys in. And there are a lot of good guys in our bodies. There are a lot of good microbes in our bodies.
0: I used to think it was just white blood cells, and now it turns out uh, it's a lot more complicated.
1: It, it's so complicated that, that um, uh, we, we attempted, uh, in the development of the exhibition, we attempted to, to talk about it, but we fell back on the idea that this, that, uh, uh, of this guard dog uh, uh, metaphor.
0: Elise from Fairfield, Connecticut. Hi, you're on the air hi thank you for taking my call I guess I wanted to follow up to that uh, guard dog comment and say you know there are theories that some diseases have taken off such as severe food allergies and and things because we some of us lack that bacteria and once we lack it are there ways to get it back I mean I know there are things like fecal transplants etc but I'm curious as to your thoughts on that area of research as it relates to our microbiome
1: well, the sing- I think the single most important thing there is your diet, and and uh, in the exhibition we try to to talk a lot about diet and how diet influences the diversity of microbes in your body. And again, it's all it's all about diversity of microbes in your body. The more diverse your microbiome is, probably the better off you are. And allergies uh, uh, and and other kinds of uh, immune disorders like that are probably re- uh, the result of a very narrow microbiome that that doesn't teach our immune system to do certain things. And hence, we end up with allergies and, and uh, problems like that. Do so probiotics work? Probiotics are an interesting way to think about increasing diversity in your diet, increasing diversity in your microbiome. Um, unfortunately, a lot of probiotics haven't been tested as, say, medical uh, medical things. And in fact, they, they uh, probably need to. Um, in light of all the new things that we're seeing in in uh, a microbiome, I do know that a lot of probiotic companies have microbiome departments now, which is a is a very, very uh, interesting development and one that the uh, p- producers of probiotics are are really interested in
0: let 's take another call. Brant from Bay Ridge. You uh, have a follow up question to something that Elise just brought up: yeah. fecal transplants. Um-
1: I'm wondering why it's still taking so long for fecal transplants
0: to reach the mainstream despite their overwhelming positive response
1: from the medical community. Yeah, in fact, uh, uh, there's only really one uh, uh, intestinal disorder that, that uh, fecal transplants have been shown to be effective on, to my knowledge, and that's with C. diff. C. diff is a very uh, uh, dangerous uh, uh, microbe that when it infects our, our intestinal tract, um, it's hard to get rid of because it's uh, resistant to drugs, but it seems like the best way, in, in about 80% of the of the of the cases where a fecal transplant is performed, it seems that the best way to get rid of of C. diff is through a fecal transplant. Now, this doesn't mean that fecal transplants and other kinds of microbiome transplants won't be effective with other disorders or with other infections. We just need to really uh, uh, do more research and to think uh, more about how these uh, transplants and these uh, uh, microbiome transfers are going to affect uh, uh, the health of a person. And I, I, I think in the future we're going to see a lot more of this kind of, of uh, uh, treatment for, for uh, people with infections.
0: Thank you for your call. William from Brooklyn, hi, you're on the air. Hello. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, just a quick question, and it's a fascinating subject that you're talking about now. Since we have, for example, thousands of uh, biomes on our uh, skin, has anyone from the NAH or, say, for example, Rockefeller University Medical center here in New York ever considered utilizing the various biomes there um, for potential vaccines or medicines against cancer or HIV and the like?
1: Um, That's an interesting question. The 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 uh, real focus of microbiome research is on uh, say what happens in the uh, a gut because there's a very very strong connection of our gut to our brain. It's called the gut brain axis, and in fact the uh, uh, microbiome of our gut influences the way we think the way we behave um, has a huge influence on on that. The other things that you mentioned some people
0: have said the gut is another brain
1: uh, well the gut is 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 the missing organ really mm. the our microbiome is the missing organ and and it, it it the gut has more neural connections in it or as many neural connections as our brain does really, and so it 's a very very neural rich kind of a, of an organ in our bodies. And it, it's, it's the focus of a lot of the, of the research that, that uh, is trying to connect our microbiome to our, our health. The other areas that you talked about are interesting, such as cancer um, and other, other uh, areas are very interesting. And I'm sure there are connections uh, in that context, but they're less focused on than, say, the gut-brain axis.
0: It's been reported that researchers have managed to extract gut bacteria from an ancient ice mummy, uh, the Iceman, who lived about 5,300 years ago? Did they find any of the bacteria in his stomach that uh, we still carry around today?
1: I would think that they did. Uh, I don't know the study myself. They say it's,
0: uh, they found some H. pylori.
1: H. pylori is is a is a really important uh, component of our gut microbiome and one that uh, we've tried to get rid of because it's it's uh, uh, apparently the cause of ulcers and. Uh, Actually, it turns out this is work from Marty Blazer, who's a a doctor here in New York City at NYU Medical School. Um, It it turns out that getting rid of H. pylori from our gut, which we've tried to do over the last couple of decades, has really caused other bad things to happen, um, such as uh, acid reflux, uh, an increase in acid reflux in our esophagus, and also uh, an increase in in, uh, stomach cancer. So the The idea here is that upsetting the balance by, say, getting rid of something like H. pylori um, is really you have to think it through a lot better than we usually do. Um, the back to to Etsy, the the the, the ice man, right. Um It's not. It wouldn't be too surprising to me if he had a very similar microbiome to say some of the indigenous peoples on the planet. Um, Etsy, of course, was not exposed to antibiotics. And many of the indigenous populations that we have on the on the planet aren't exposed to antibiotics either, and so so be... that's
0: changed us from uh, it's altered uh, our bodies from oh, what ancient peoples'
1: bodies abs- look like. Absolutely, Marty Blazer and his colleagues at NYU have shown that the diversity of microbes in indigenous peoples is much greater than the diversity of microbes in, say, people who live in New York City who are exposed to. Say uh, antibiotics and and to the rigors of everyday city life. Well, a lot of this research also reveals how the migratory patterns
0: of humans. So, would antibiotics be altering that the ability for researchers to to trace um, uh, contemporary humans? Yeah,
1: you know, H. pylori has been used to trace human history, really. And and uh, uh, once you get rid of it. The road ends there. There's this big stop sign there, and, and uh, you can't really trace it any further after you've, you've gotten rid of it in, in populations. And if it does come back, it's going to come back in ways that are not uh, uh, relevant to history. Lisa writes, how does
0: the microbiome figure into organ transplantation? My mother was able to donate a kidney to my father partially because of their shared exposures to the world. Are, uh, is the microbiome uh, a reason?
1: Um, The research on that, I think, is just starting, and uh, I am familiar with a few papers that that looked at the microbiome of of, uh, organ transplantation, and uh, my answer to that question is that I really don't know the answer, but I do know that there is research being done, and uh, with the research that's being done, I would expect some very interesting things to come out of it.
0: Rich from Dingman's Ferry, Pennsylvania. Hi, you're on the air.
1: Thanks, Len. This is great stuff. And so now I'm thinking how um, this will eventually end up in forensic science the way DNA has in the future.
0: Oh, not another television show.
1: <laughs> oh, eventually, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, again, we, I go back to the statement I made earlier that each of our microbiomes are very, very unique. And so a lot of researchers have uh felt strongly that uh, we can use microbiomes to actually identify people. And so the moral of the story is don't leave much of your uh, uh, microbiome around. In fact, there, there are companies that are making uh, products that, that <laughs> get rid of your microbiome. So uh, there's, a, there's a, a kind of a double-edged sword here.
0: People who uh, had yeast infections were told to eat yogurt.
1: Does that actually work? I don't know if, if there's been any strong research done on that again the the research done around probiotics is is um, not done in the in the same way that we do research around drugs and around uh, uh, surgical procedures and things like that so i would I would think that if you uh, have, if you ingest a probiotic that it's going to change your gut microbiome a bit um, and may not have a whole lot of an effect on say the the uh, female uh, a reproductive tract or or you know any place where you might have a yeast infection so I'm not sure about the connection there um, but uh, you know again the research needs to be done and we need to be thinking about it in more of a controlled kind of a way
0: and along those lines and also uh, thinking about that kidney transplant do men and women have similar
1: microbiomes Oh very different microbiomes you could you, you could easily tell that you and I are males and and uh your uh, person, your technician who who keeps coming in and adjusting my microphone, because I tend to move it around a little bit, um, would have very, very different microbiomes, and that's because we have um, different reproductive tracts, and the reproductive tract is a very, very nice place for microbes to live, and, and again, the female reproductive tract is very different from the male reproductive tract.
0: Um, Moshe from Flushing. Hi, you're on the air. Oh, thank you. Um, I always enjoy these Explain uh, sessions. Um, I have a close friend who got a nasty cat bite and uh, had to be treated with antibiotics and then developed a C. diff infection and had to be treated with even more antibiotics. And as a result, her biome apparently is really messed up. Uh, She can no longer comfortably digest most carbohydrates, so no pizza, no bread, uh, no french fries and um, she's at a loss to know how to um, get it back, especially since other uh, callers have mentioned the FDA hasn't approved the fecal transplant approach yet. So I wonder if your guest could suggest, you know, what foods to eat to maximize the diversity of her, of her microbiome and try to restore things to a more natural balance. And uh, another listener, Susan, uh, is I was just gonna put her on, but she's asking a similar question. If one has to take antibiotics for an extended period of time, um, what uh, sh- what are the long term effects?
1: But uh, again, I don't want to give medical advice because I'm not a medical doctor, and I think you should discuss these things with your with your f- physician. Are doctors very uh, knowledgeable about I this? Think these they're days, they're becoming more and more knowledgeable about it, and and because this is a very very hot area and one that that uh, is is uh, discussed a lot in medical circles, I think it's becoming a a, a major topic for doctors. But I think it, oh, the 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 key word here is overuse. Um, if you overuse anything, it's not good. And um, this, these continued courses of, my, uh, of uh, antibiotics um, for for various kinds of of infections, you have to be very careful about that. And, and uh, again, uh, you have to uh, bring this up with your doctor and, and make sure that your doctor understands that you think maybe you're overusing something. Well, and, let's bring then... a
0: doctor into this. We have a pediatrician on the line, Dr. Kiki Welu. Hi, you're on the air. Okay. Well, being a pediatrician and um, having seen, I've been a pediatrician for some 30 years, and having seen the overuse, the constant, you know, amoxicillin for real or imagined ear infection, quote-unquote. You have to make this quick. We're running out of time. I'm sorry. Yes. What, what we have come to is that it can be the same microbe and the same virus. But the response to this invader depends on the child's immune system. Yeah, you, you, uh, we it, have ten seconds. It's left.
1: dependent on the child's immune system, but I think it would also be dependent on the child's microbiome—the other microbes that are there interacting with it. I wouldn't be surprised. Which if the, the child is inherited from is uh, well, both the parents child might in- inherit from the environment uh, that, its, that its parents have, have created for it. Um, but you, using antibiotics, you, again, uh, uh, I'm not saying don't use them because absolutely sometimes you have to use them.
0: Rob DeSalle is curator of entomology at the Sackler Institute for Comparative Genomics at the American Museum of Natural History. Uh, there's the exhibit there, The Secret World Inside You, and the book that He has co-written, welcome to the microbiome, getting to know the trillions of bacteria in, on, and around you. Thank you so much for being on. Please explain today. It's a pleasure.